Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Number of emails from people lately uh, asking us to talk about services for children with autism and the endless waiting lists that a lot of parents have encountered. Joanne is with us on the programme today. Joanne, how long is your son waiting? Well, my son Reese um, will be 15 in August. He was officially diagnosed at two and a half, which is over 12 years ago now. So you would think I might have a bit of an encouraging story to tell, but I'm afraid it's not from our perspective. Um, we're based in Wicklow, in Greystones, and uh, even with our two local TDs, one being a former Minister for Health and uh, one also currently okay. holding that position, yeah. we've seen no improvement in autism services over the years. Um, I can give you a rundown of our experience over the last... Is it from a diagnosis perspective, Joanne, or or has your your son been diagnosed and is now waiting for the the services, you know, following son, my son was diagnosed over 12 years ago at two and a half. Uh, We knew there was an issue when he was about nine months old, but by the time we went to consultants and finally got in the right hands, he was two and a half getting diagnosed from then on, you would think with the diagnosis, you're in a position to avail of support services and therapies. And that's the way it's meant to go. But Reese was in from the age of three till when he was five and a half. He received services really in the way of a, an autism preschool class where the services would have been delivered through the teachers who were in turn supported by the therapists in the setting. And that worked out well and he did really well there. But under the age of six, by the time you're six, you've got to move on from that service. Well, we did. So at five and a half, he had to move to an, a local ASD unit attached to one of the primary schools here. Um, and at that stage, he's put on a waiting list for services by the assigned HSE provider. Mm. Um, I invested five whole years in consistently ringing and emailing this service and all the associated HSE managers to do with it especially when I realised pretty early on that Reese was actually entered erroneously onto the wrong waiting list, the over sixes instead of the under sixes, which is always okay. prioritised over services. Um, it was eventually, it, sorry, it was, it was only at 10 years of age, which was five years after he started. He was a full five years without absolutely anything. Okay. And it was only when he was turned 10 that we got our first meeting with the team there. And following that, he was assigned a speech and language therapist, an occupational therapist and a psychologist. And he had a couple of appointments with each of those. And each in turn left the service after that not to be replaced. One was on maternity leave and the other two left to go to different services. And Reese was back on the waiting list not to be ever seen again with that service. So um, that psychologist who saw him that time actually. Sorry, Andrea, do you want to ask a question? Yeah, no, I just I just wanted to to, to cut um just to, to cut across, just to ask you the point, Joanne, about where like in terms of where Reese is at now at fifteen, what services yeah. is he waiting to to avail of? Okay, so he got nothing then. He was referred to CAMS um, because the psych- psychiatric service was pulled from the HSE service that was that he was on the waiting list from because of cutbacks. So he was referred to CAMS and due to ongoing disputes between that HSE provider and CAMS, they said they wouldn't see Reese because he had autism. So to date, he's never been seen by CAMS either. Uh, so at 12 years old, Reese moved from the, the ASD unit to a special school. Okay. And then he was told he was going to be taken off the existing waiting list because they didn't support 
services through a special school. Because it's a huge so amount of services, isn't on, <laughs> yeah, no, and I, and I, and I, yeah, it's, 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 I suppose, and it's even knowing, you know what I mean, where to go. And I know that's the, the point that another listener has, yeah. has made on the, on the text line as well. Joanne, let me bring in Pamela too, because Pamela, you, um, you, like, you've two children, is that right, waiting for services to avail of services? Yes, yeah, so I have, t- I have two autistic children. Um, my son is 12 and, um, my daughter is nine. And like Joanne, my son was diagnosed at three. And he did get some services initially up until the age of six. And then probably from, that would have been around 2018. And he hasn't received anything since. And he would be waitlisted for psychology, speech and language, occupational therapy. You know, so it's, it's not just a single service he's waiting on. Um, my daughter, she was again, again, also diagnosed at three in 2017. And when the disability services were reconfigured in 2021. It kind of triggered her file to kind of be opened. And when they looked at her file in 2022, they said, oh dear, we actually can't do anything with her because her assessments are all five years old. So they did have to kind of reassess her at that point. Um, but again, since then, you know, she's been waiting, again, waitlisted for psychology, speech and language, OT. Um, and each of the children have had very different needs, but they do still have, they do still have similarities requiring um, similar services. Do you think the delays have got worse, Pamela, in the time when yeah, you look at both your children? Have. Yeah, completely. Like, I mean, I, I thought it was bad back when my son was diagnosed back in 2014, but every year, year on year, it's getting worse and worse. I mean, back in 2021, disability services were reconfigured um, as part of the progressing disability. Mm. And with that, w- w- they created 91 new children's disability network teams. So they created 91 new manager roles. And to, for those managers, they pulled from the staff pool they had in the disability services. They pulled social workers, speech and languages, occupational therapists to then become managers who will never see children. So we were already down 90, those 91 um, yeah, therapists. Yeah, so that's, of course, the and of that. The, the last... The last report that came out from the HSC at the end of last year said that there's approximately 35, 35% vacancy rate across. Yeah, and that's a, um, a huge issue services. for sure. Do you think, um, have the services been of any help or responsive, Rosanna, in your case? Um, hi, yes, yeah, so I have two with the services. Um, they are five and nine, and I suppose really I just shout very loudly, so I, I do get heard. Um, it's a perk kind of of having two of them with the service is that I go in for one and I can say, hey, I need help with the other one. Um, I do find they are trying their absolute best, though, with the resources that they have. But the change has to come from the top down. Like that other woman just said, you know, there's 35% vacancy. They can't retain the therapist that they have because for whatever reason, maybe the jobs aren't, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. They, they don't want to keep the jobs. They can't yeah, keep staff. And so if they can't keep staff, they can't get the waiting list moving. So what are you waiting for at the moment, effectively, Joanna, or Rosanna? Um, so my son has just gotten speech and language. He's been high priority for the last three years and he's just gotten speech and language. And my daughter is on the waiting list for everything. So speech and language therapy, um, occupational the therapy, like, like, like yeah. all of it, yeah. They're, they're both and autistic. Have, have you like have you noticed a change in the kids and like while you're you know waiting or effectively on the waiting list? 
I mean, whenever I see a change, I do ring and go, hey, I need help with this. And somebody does always try and get back to me. I'm quite lucky with my team. They are as involved as they can be, even when we're not actually an open case in front of them. They do try and call me back and they do try and give me a little bit of help. But it's obviously not what people need, you know. Joanna, you're still on the line. Like, I mean, how just, this was briefly, how could we do things better in the in the short term? Well, I, I always think anytime you, you ask for something, there's never the funds, there's never the resources. And I, I feel even the like of the psych, psychiatric service that was attached to the service provider that we were with at that time was pulled because of cutbacks. And I, I just always feel our kids, they're viewed as sort of second class citizens in the state and believe, they don't believe they're worth investing in. And it's so short sighted because if the kids got the help early on, they probably result in greater independence, greater abilities, and they wouldn't be a financial burden on the state in the future. And I mean, I have spent years just going down dead ends or you're seen for a couple of times and that's it. It's finished. And then you're back to the bottom of the waiting list. And there's never any consistency mm-hmm. or people that therapists that were there, they're working a day and a half here or a day and a half there. And you can never get hold of anybody. Nobody returns the call. And you just you're, you're fighting all the time. But what you're getting in return is just pretty worthless because you could do with kind of blocks of therapies. Absolutely. On a consistent basis, yeah, it needs to over be consistent. A longer period of time. Do you have yeah. do, do you have hope, Pamela, that things will improve? I think we have to have hope because you, you, I think as a parent, you have to keep pushing, keep fighting, and you're doing for, for like the most important people in your life who are your children, and um, you have to keep hoping that it's going to change. I don't think it's going to be. It's not going to happen in the short term. It's a long-term issue. Um, but I think the problem we're having at the moment is purely down to, you know, stressed resources. The staff aren't there. Um, and what, they, what they're trying to do, as opposed to try and, like, you know, play face everybody at the moment, is maybe just give parent trainings or handouts and things like that, just to try and keep parents ticking over until, you know, the child's actually called it could be a long time mm-hmm. and I, I know I have the capacity to take that information on board assimilate it and try and you know kind of use those tools with my children other parents are not as fortunate as myself no. and maybe don't have the capacity to be a speech and language therapist or a psychologist to their child yeah well, we'll certainly you know reach out uh, to the department um and see if there is, you know, any progress being made. I know we had the Minister in previously on the show about these very issues, but for the moment, we'll have to leave it there. Pamela, Joanne, Rosanna as well, thank you for your time here in the programme. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.